Pochistock.ucc.com3fm. You're listening to Banshee Banter with me, James Murray, and me, Yves Dilmasna. And today we're going to be discussing cures, lysina, um, various herbal medicines, and the folklore that surrounds them. Yeah, so I have this lovely book here, and I've taken a lot of the inspiration from this book, and it's Cures of Ireland, a Treasury of Irish Folk Remedies by Cecily Gilligan. And I do believe that she's uh, studied Bailedison, UCC. I'm pretty sure she did. I think she did uh, our course, well, your course more so. Um, and honestly, that's it's it's a really really good book. I'm not. This isn't a book review, but it's really good. Like it has so much in it, and for me as well, it has a very nice balance of like the his like Celtic pre-Christian history and like how it links and uh, into our very Catholic country. Well, mm. Christian country. Um, you know yourself, and so that's the main inspiration I've taken. Like, from the book at least. But, you know, um, just to start, I think everyone has a little bit of a story. As per usual, I think all of our episodes start like this. Um, Everyone has a bit of a story about, you know, a little thing or habit that they do that would fall under this. So my thing is that if you have, my mom always tells you, if you have like an irritated eye or something, you put black tea on it Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like little things like that is kind of the cures. Um... And stuff like that. Mum will be delighted with that now. She'll be absolutely delighted with herself. Um, so I also have a bit of a quote just to open with. Um, and it's this uh, famous poet and nationalist and a feminist and all this. Her name is Lady Wilde. And she said, The Irish um, alone preserve the strange and mystic secrets of herbs through whose potent powers they can cure disease, cause love or hatred, discover the hidden mysteries of life and death. Which I think is really intense. Hmm. But that's my quote I got to intro. When did you um, pick up this book? I'm not going to lie to you. It was in the airport. Oh, I saw it. It's very recent. It came out very recently because... Yeah, I was going to say it looks lovely. I can't remember. Is it this year or 2022? I don't remember. But it it is really good. Um, And I learned some new things as well. So do you have anything you want to open with? I know I just have my quotes. My quote there. But do you have anything you want to... Um, I just find them really interesting. I was actually... I. Um, was talking to someone there recently who's studying um, engineering here in Cork and oh this is terrible now we should have checked what it's called um, it's some kind of bioengineering anyway but it's looking at a, a kind of you know like Pepsi is a huge employer here in Cork and essentially what the work they're doing is actually it's still plant based you know it's extracting mm. from plants it's creating products out of these plants and I always find it interesting that I think it's really easy to remove modern medicine completely from herbal remedies and we kind of draw a very sharp line between what's um, you know, what's a herbal remedy, what's magic, what's faff, what's um, pishog, mm-hmm. and what's real medicine, what's now, what's happening, what's scientific. Um, and I, I find it really interesting looking at that kind of in-between stage of when medicine was still figuring itself out and there's so much overlap in that and that kind of real liminal space between before medicine had super established itself scientifically and maybe that the processes weren't weren't as detached from the resource themselves in terms of the plants and the medicines because still now like a lot of our medicines um as much as they are like chemical compounds they still might come from plants um i'm just thinking of the one that I've kind of looked into a bit is, uh, um, you know, uh, but is um, salicylic acid and uh, meadowsweet. So mm. we'll talk more about that in a bit, but it's an interesting one. Oh, the cliffhanger. Um, yeah, but about the overlap is really interesting as well, because I think a lot of people have this thing where it's like the herbal remedies and the back end of nowhere. And I, I you know, I defy modern medicine and all this. And it actually like, really wasn't again according to Cecily Gilligan in this book a lot of the herbal remedies come from the 18 like 17 uh, sorry the 18th 19th century mm. when like medicine not in the 19th century but you know what I mean when medicine was only um just kind of developing if you know what I mean so at the time when it first started they were kind of similar it wasn't this whole defiance thing of oh there are these people in the country or whatever so it was also cheaper and it was more readily available to them. So it wasn't this whole defiance thing, which I thought was really interesting. And um, 
Yeah, and even, again, there's the understanding more, like, widespread that, oh, they're going to, even now they're going to go against, you know, modern medicine and stuff, but it's not. It's kind of done in tandem with it a lot of the time, where it's, oh, you can go, uh, a lot of the people who are still using these cures now will say, oh, you should go see an actual doctor. You know what I mean? But they're also like, oh, also use this because, you know, that, there is a very strong belief in it as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's scientific. You know what I mean? You just said a lot of it was based on plants and everything with their compounds, and that's true. So it's not just a bunch of like, you know, I'm going to put this leaf on you, you're going to be grand. <laughs> you know, like it's very, very intelligent, like, and it, t- it takes a lot of generations to uh, build up that knowledge. So I just thought that was cool. Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose um, we have literature dating back on this topic very, very far back, like in Celtic, pre-Christian literature. So um, I'm just going to touch on this um, very fa- really, really fast. Oh my God. Um, there's a lot of stuff about Cúchollin. It, there's a lot in the literature about Cúchollin when he's in battle against Ferdi and stuff like that. If people are aware of that, it's just he's fighting another fella, basically. Um, They're absolutely cutting chunks out of each other and trying to kill each other. And yet... Um, uh, medical professionals at the time would use sp- specific herbs and like put them in this herbal bath and stuff like that and that trend of like a herbal bath is repeated over and over and even right around the time of christianization um in these tales of the two hadedanan which were sort of the um quote-unquote gods of, Ke- of the celts uh the irish celts um there were tales of being at a well and then pu- pu- casting spells and putting herbs in this well and then any man who was on the brink of death because of war would just kind of sit in the well for a while and then he'd be absolutely rejuvenated and healed um and i also think that's interesting because you know um what during christianity the relevance of wells yeah. is very big as well so it's kind of like holy wells yeah. yeah yeah so i think that's cool um but anyway what i mean is it's a modern folklore take and it's also we have so much literature talking about how this tradition has survived um through christianization through I know it's very relevant to Christian beliefs now, but, you know, through that era of Ireland and also the Vikings and also everything, it's still prevailed, so I think that's really cool. Um, what else do I got? Let me look through my, my bag of tricks. Yeah. Uh, and, again, I just really liked the quote, um, worked on the land and healed by the land. So this kind of um, working in union with the land completely in every aspect of your life I just thought that was cool. Mm. Let me just turn. Oh, I just have a really fun fact. I'm really sorry to go off topic. Um, it's another Dracula fact. I don't know why it's always me. Um, but like um, there was the typhus epidemic in 1817 and there was also uh, a lot of cholera in uh, Ireland at the time. Um, and herbal cures and remedies had a very big prevalence in that, at least trying to just curb the amount of people dying. And there was a woman named Charlotte Thornley, who was Bram Stoker's mother, and apparently the stories that she told him about this typhus epidemic had partly influenced uh, his writing of Dracula. And the most fun bit is that Kevin Danaher said that garlic was used to prevent the spread of cholera by hanging a few clothes of it around your neck or having it under your armpit. And also, as people may know, garlic is used to uh, fend off empires. Oh, that's so, so that's like a. I think that's a cool. That might it's even actually quite a funny cholera story about UCC. I think it's cholera. Yeah. Because cholera, I hope I'm right now saying this, but it was believed that cholera um, was spread via miasma. Is what they were calling it. Yeah. So like bad air, which yeah, probably explains the garlic because it's such a strong thing. It might, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it might repel the miasma away. Um, and that's actually why the quad on UCC, um, like it, it's kind of one thing straight ground, but like it's not a quad. It's it's only has three sides. Mm. Um, it's open, like you know, by the side of the Bull Library, it's oh, open. Yeah. Whereas it should be, like if you look at NYGs, it's closed. Minutes is closed. Um, but because there was this cholera outbreak when they were building UCC, they decided to leave one um, wing open so that air could flow better through. Um, but then, yeah. of course, they found out it wasn't miasma; it was bad um, sewage. But yeah, kind of an that's interesting so miasma good. story about UCC. <laughs> oh my god, I love that! Like that's so good. Um, I suppose you could argue that the quad is a quad with the... Gra- That's so off topic, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, totally. Because <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. you know, when people are like, oh, the quad isn't a quad, I'd always be like, I have no idea it what is they mean quad. by that. It is. I mean, yeah, it's a square. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. That's so interesting that the entire structure of the college is yeah, based on that. That's, the, oh, that's love it. the story, anyway. That's the scale. Um, I also just think um, the hanging the garlic under the armpit is absolutely 
deadly. Yeah. <laughs> so awful. Um, and also, just throw it in there, obviously with all these tragedies like typhus and cholera and most notably the famine um, and so much emigration, a lot of the traditional knowledge that would have been passed from generation to generation in general is lost, but also a lot about herbs and cures. So a lot of the things in this book about the cures, they're so aloof about it. That there's this man who, and I believe him, but there's this man who says he has he uses this um, sort of plaster made out of four herbs that can cure skin cancer and that has cured skin cancer on patients that have caught it early when it's visible. And he won't tell anyone what it is. <laughs> and I just think, and he's an elderly man, I think that's a bit... That's hilarious. That's, I think that's a little bit rude um, <laughs> to claim you have the cure for a type of cancer and you're like, it's my secret girl. That's, there's you know? a lot to be said about that, isn't there? I know. There, I think a lot of the tradition of cures, again, I'll get to it in a second. I have something written about it. It's uh, People are very pedantic about when they tell people a cure or certain details of the cure or even um, when someone who has a cure um, is growing old in age or is going to die or something or knows they're, you know, you know getting on, I suppose, um, they mightn't even pass it to their, on to their spouse it has to be a very certain person. And then it comes into, you know, have you ever heard of like the seventh son of a seventh son mm-hmm. and stuff like that? So it gets into that. I have stuff about that where um, I'm jumping ahead. Um, so uh, uh, hmm, what do I have? Oh, yeah. That's also a good point to mention, you know, the Manoa Fassa and the Fear Fassa. And like ban, is she, um, Cecily Gilligan had banned the living on here. But I'm going to say Manoa Fassa because they're, like, they're similar in that sense of, if people don't know, sorry, it's like the English, I don't know why I can't speak today. Uh, the English is wise woman or a wise man or, uh, directly translation, but it would be someone who's very involved in the community and who would give sort of uh, medicinal advice and like, you know, get the old herbs and the, smear a bit of herb on you and be like your grand. Um, but very valued by the community, but also a lot of Manafas were kind of marginal on the community because a lot of the time they were elderly, widowed, independent women. And obviously at the time it was... Where's your husband, girl? Do you know what I mean? So they were all marginal, but so part of the community and so trusted at the same time. So they had this kind of paradox. Um, oh, I have another quote. I'm going mad with the quotes today. So the existence of the woman midwife, witch healer, challenged all three of these hierarchies, church over laity, man over woman, and landlord over peasant. So they were a threat to order and established society at the time. Because, you know, if you were a healer and you were healing everyone and you were a valued member of society, you were also a witch and evil um so people couldn't accept that um i think that's all i have for my kind of lead up to cures mm-hmm. i'm going to open the book now and i'm going to read you some cures uh because i think obviously i'm not joking like i'm not trying to um make light of it but some of these are a little bit you get a bit of a giggle i think because um i'll just get into it so there's stuff that I see uh, similarities in. So the th- like the six main things that I have that people had as cures for kind of, I'm going to say quote-unquote simple things, so it would be, I have arthritis here, but it would also be stuff like asthma, a cold, a burn, stuff like that, is honey, goat's milk, or m- various types of milks, like dandelion milk, I think when you boil the milk in dandelions. Nettle tea was very popular. Dock leaves. I'm not entirely sure what dock leaves are. It's what you used to like when you're a child and you like have a nettle sting, isn't that it's it? Yeah. yeah. And wedding rings and the sign of the cross. Mm. So I'll read you a few. So for arthritis, it was like a da- if you made a dandelion tea and then simmered wild garlic leaves and milk and you drank it. Or it would also be something as simple as eating parsley or apples or taking a seaweed bath. Um, and a, a, there's a lot of prevalence as well, actually, of, you know, carrageen and delish of these different seaweeds that you'd boil in hot water uh, if you had a sore throat or a cold or anything like that it was meant to cure them really fast so seaweed i suppose the salt and everything would be very good you know scientifically for your for your cold and stuff but you know goat's milk again was meant to be good for asthma uh i love this one baldness <laughs> um rub the head with a raw onion um i don't know how they gathered that one see i think these are funny just because I don't think we've stopped doing it. Like, I don't think we've stopped <laughs> yeah. having, like, I, the ones, like, when it comes to these, like, uh, illnesses, like a sore throat and stuff, I can even understand those, like, in a 
modern scientific sense of like you're dealing with people who don't have access to modern medicine and even like medicine as a concept still emerging and they're using what is available to them like it's not like these are people like who maybe nowadays when they're partaking in herbal medicines and I'm not saying this in a like in a in a you know I'm not saying this in like a pejorative way or whatever Mm. Um, but it's not like today where you know maybe like if you have a sore throat and you decide to have nettle tea instead of a paracetamol or something that you are like choosing a herbal medicine this is probably more of a situation of that is the medicine. That mm-hmm. is all there is. There is no paracetamol because either if we're talking a time period before it's been invented or maybe you live in an area where it's not available. Um, and I suppose they are just high vitamin foods for maybe yeah. a diet at the time that sometimes could actually lack that, especially carrageen and stuff. They're really like rich um, foods. But the ones I find interesting, yeah, that baldness one is hilarious about like the onion. But it's also, I still think it's like just using... Like, if you're going bald, you want a way to stop that. You're going to go through trial and error to not yeah. be bald. And I mean, you know, I've, I've, you know, you open TikTok nowadays. <laughs> every, like, that is, like, absolutely oh going. That was big on viral on TikTok, like, two months ago was, like, um, how to improve your hair thickness. Yeah. Rosemary oil does actually have some scientific stuff to back it up. But let's be real. That was being circulated way before anyone had done a study on it. Oh, I know. So you have rosemary oil, then you had these other type of oils, and then you had, you know, oh, you have to buy this product from me. And so you actually see, I don't know, this I this thing of like this, maybe, I don't, I'm not going to say, well, I am going to say it, but I don't know if I'm... Say it. Like this sort of primal human thing of mm. I have a problem and I ha- what can I use to I solve it? I have an it? onion on the table. Yeah, it's being used maybe right the now. onion will make it happen. And yeah. and then I still think now maybe it's just been more marketed upon that now people are going. Yeah, I have this problem. Oh my god, this magic pin roller <laughs> that has um, jade encrusted oh, knives stop. on it. If I rub it on my head, it'll. And there might be some vague statement of scientific backup but that's probably second it stimulates the hair follicle yeah bit, something you know? like this like, but that's always like second to the you need the this thing yeah, yeah exactly absolutely. i was literally gonna say um just to, to clarify when i said these would get you a giggle i'm oh, not yeah. i'm not taking oh no, i know sorry, sorry like absolutely yeah. like no i'm just saying because i was thinking about it I was like i'm not making fun of these people because a lot of the time it's all they had not so even if they did have access to other medicines like let's say paracetamol or something you'd be hesitant because you're like, what is that? I know what the dandelion is. It grows from the ground. Mm. What is this, you know, peel or whatever you're you're giving me? So completely. The only reason I think it's funny is because I can imagine the um, trial and error building up to that. <laughs> I'd also... How do you rub an onion on your head? Is it like, do you, you slice it? it in half? Is it halved? Is it pure just... whole onion, like the yeah. skin, you know? <laughs> or is it like finely sliced? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it a sprinkle moment? Yeah, I'd actually, I'd honestly rather choose this type of medicine over like this detox tea on TikTok and it's a natural accident. Like, please, <laughs> you're not de- you're you're ruining your stomach lining. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this isn't this isn't commercialized. You know, like st- stupid. You know what I mean? Like now, with the, it's everyone's trying to sell something. This was genuinely just like I think this works. Mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> so um, there's also. These some of these aren't even illnesses. Again, baldness isn't well debatable if it's an illness. Uh, mental. Oh, do you get it? Funny. Right? Um, but like bedwetting here, it says if you give a child a teaspoon of honey at bedtime, that's very much like yeah, probably. Yeah, it, I suppose it probably does end at a certain age. So yeah, eventually you'll be like that was the honey after four years. Yeah. Um, uh, blood pressure was nettle soup and everything, which I don't know if that's true, but that that sounds true even now. I feel like. I don't know. I, no I could idea. be talking completely. There's also a bruise. I thought this was hilarious. If you have a bruise, you put raw meat on it. You know, in cartoons, if you, someone got a black eye, they have a steak oh, on their eye. Yeah. Is that where that came from? I don't know. Um, chillblains. Oh, this one's insane. Oh, this is the only one I kind of had to close the book. Chillblains are horrible. I know. It says, soak the feet for 15 minutes in your own urine. Dry them, but do not wash off the urine. Or put... Or what is that? Sorry. Or rub on fasting spit or cod liver oil or onion juice. Okay, you could have put the cod liver oil first besides the urine. Yeah. But if it works or not, I'm not going to, you know. Yeah. Again, how did they come to that conclusion? Yeah. And then the, the detail of dry them, but do not wash it yeah. Um. Oh, love this. So a cold sore is rub a gold wedding ring around it. 
Um, <laughs> That's good sweet. No, it's lovely, but I don't understand the, the link with the cold sore. Yeah, I have no idea. I think it's interesting in, in the sense of like, it sort of is like if you really want to go like, I don't know, maybe too expansive with it, but um, it's sort of like it is where the sort of scientific method develops from is mm. from that place you know Possibly. so it's like um like i think as well it's interesting when people do look into her, like herbal medicines people are really desperate to focus on like the ones that do work now which like meadowsweet is a huge example of this like meadowsweet grows everywhere in ireland in the summer and it's beautiful plant it smells gorgeous um and it's actually really easy. To, I, I've made me, like meadowsweet things. Um, it's like really easy. You just have to yeah. like boil it and then strain it and you just make syrup. Um, but it's it, the smell of it is really interesting because if you overcook it, it smells exactly like aspirin. Like I can't oh, explain no. it. It's like so intense. And even my face wash, um, the CeraVe, um, I have like the blue one. Yeah. And I, I was know. like washing my face today and I realized it smells like meadowsweet. And it has salicylic acid in it. And it's like funny that oh, you can yeah. still smell it, like even through all the processing it's been through. Mm. Um, it's such a distinctive like smell. Um, but it is like a really interesting one just because it it is this thing that people, like you've so many accounts in the National Folklore Collection of Meadowsweet being used um, as like an anti-inflammatory because um, that is the, that is actually it's, even in, in modern medicine, that is what you would use it for. It's totally anti-inflammatory. Um and even there's accounts now being found of like ancient Egyptians used it um, by rubbing willow bark. Oh, because yeah, willow bark yeah. is actually also really high in salicylic acid. Um, but then it has like other effects as well, which are kind of interesting that actually modern aspirin tablets have a really big problem nowadays with um, they ruin your stomach lining. They're really? just really harsh on your stomach. Mm. Like if you're taking a lot of it over a course of a long time, you'll, you'll have a really sore time yeah um whereas meadowsweet the plant has um i'm trying to remember the name of it do i have it written down here somewhere um yeah mucilage so within the plant and when you like boil it and stuff it's basically like a mucus so it coats the your stomach as you're eating it which makes it like easier to ingest interesting it is really interesting and so you see accounts of like when I was going through the National Folklore Collection, there's loads of accounts of being used for stomach problems. And I was like, how is this being used for stomach problems? Mm. But actually, yeah, it makes sense once you consider that there's a lot of this mucilage in it. It's crazy because I I, I assume they just didn't know, like, you know... Um, yeah, just trial and error. Trial and error. But it's also the fact that they could have put... You know what I mean? This is going to be a very non-sciencey description. Mm. But they could have incorporated, like, that sort of mucus thing into the aspirin to try and, like, coat the stomach as well. But they just didn't. I know they didn't know. But you know, that could have been such like a beneficial thing. Yeah, you'd wonder. And But the more, like, nat- people think that the more processed and like gone through things mm-hmm. are um, better for you. But it's actually the more natural thing mm-hmm. has developed like every single aspect. You know what I'm trying to say. I know. What you, yeah, I get that. Um, aspirin's not very popular anymore either. No, I was going to say, I don't know anyone yeah, who takes People them. don't retake really aspirin anymore. It used to be very, very popular. Probably the most famous. <gasps> oh, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, go on, yeah. I was going to say, aren't you supposed to give someone an aspirin if they're. Um, Having a heart attack or something. Yes, this something is true. like that. I don't really know why that is. I think it's like the anti-inflammatory effect. Yes, or something. I think so. That's kind of random. I, I just don't really thought know. I think that's literally yeah, the only I've time heard I've heard too, of yeah. aspirin recently. Yeah, the most like famous person who used to take aspirin was probably. Um, this is kind of a random story. Now. This might be going way off topic. Not at all. But it's um, Alexei Nikolachev. I'm gonna say. I, yeah. I probably have this written down. Yeah. I know the name, but I can't think of. Nikolovich. That's it. So he was the. Prince of Russia. Ooh. Um, and his mother was um, the queen at the time. And basically he suffered from hemophilia, which is your blood doesn't clot. Yeah, so yeah. if you get a scratch or something, your blood's not going to clot. It's really horrible, horrible disease to get. Um, and basically they had tried everything. He was also in this really terrible position as the, I think he was the only son, I'm going to say, you know. A family of like mostly daughters so there was this expectation for him to inherit the throne um, and also Russia was incredibly unstable at that time um, this is like right before the 
they were overthrown mm, yeah. the, the this family and um anyway in a kind of last ditch effort she didn't know what to do um she had kind of a near scare with Alexei where he um fell and if he had cut himself he would have died basically so his mother called in Rasputin oh, yeah. to come in and treat yeah. him and his condition actually improved um and there's been like lots of theory as to how this is if it's just rumor if it's just speculation you know was it the prayer because Rasputin of course is a monk um who we all know from that brilliant Boney M song which we might play in a minute oh stop that's a good idea (laughs) but um uh yeah so Rasputin comes in prays over him but one thing that he told them to do was stop all of the current treatments that are happening like Mm -hmm. stop them all and one of them that he was taking was aspirin so because it helps with the pain yeah but aspirin is a blood thinner that's actually the heart attack thing yeah oh no you're you're sorry it's a blood thinner um which actually is terrible if you have haemophilia because you don't want your blood to be thinned yeah worst case um so that's like that's like a potential reason that's cool i know this is so off topic but i'd love to do stuff on rasputin yeah, on this because people thought he was Satan. You know, what I mean? <laughs> how did he survive the yeah. poison? Yeah, do you know what I mean? I don't know. What a what an interesting man. Yeah. On that note, I think we're gonna have a short music break, <laughs> um, so we can listen to some Boney M. Uh, we will be back, and we'll see you in a few minutes. Don't you try to do it, please? Notice Rasputin 
UCC 98.3 FM. This is Banshee Banter with me, James Murray, and... And me, Aoife Lamasny. Sorry, I'm just going to lift my mic up. <laughs> <laughs> Struggling as well. But, but yeah, um, we're back. If you weren't listening before, we are talking about cures and lichena, which are medicines and the importance of herbs and, you know, things like that in traditional medicine, mostly in Ireland. Um... And we're taking from the book Cures of Ireland with Cecily Gilligan. And we're just going to keep on going because I have a few more things um, in this book that I thought were very interesting. So, again, if you haven't been here before, I said like a lot of the reoccurring cures, excuse me, that um, are very prevalent in like the Irish tradition are honey, different types of milks, specifically goat's milk and kind of self-made milks per se, like dandelion milk, nettle teas, dock leaves and religious, heavily religious things like wedding rings and the sign of the cross. So I'm just going to keep on going. Um, what's my next thing? Hair growth. So we had balding a few minutes ago with hair growth. That's washing it with nettle tea. Amazing. Um, hangover. We have eat some honey. I don't really know the relevance of eating the honey, but it does have a drink. 
you know what that might be maybe we should bring that one back i think we should <laughs> i think how much we should, now. <laughs> i think we should report back next week and see yeah. how we go yeah. um after our storytelling event in the yeah. pub plug i'll talk about that later <laughs> and uh it's also to drink lots of water but i feel like we've we've kept that one up yeah um a headache so this one's interesting to be free from headaches for a year get a haircut on good friday oh that's very oh. good there's actually a whole thing as well it's in a lot of beliefs around the world i was seeing it you don't cut your hair on certain dates and not just you know dates of religious importance but um really like it'll be don't cut what is it again is it don't cut your hair on a full moon or a new moon i could be wrong something like that this is more so like kind of today's a new moon is it actually yeah the moon actually i don't think is set yet it's still out oh the moon's been a bit yeah i love when the moon is out and it's like i I was gonna say something so stupid i was gonna say like i feel like i'm in a star wars (laughs) you know when the, the moon is in the sky anyway i wonder how people felt about that back in the day yeah they're pretty good ways of tracking it as well they were so good i have to check my phone (laughs) (laughs) it's like what time is it i don't know can you read a sundial i can't i think i can actually can you actually is there isn't there one in the garden over there there is yeah yeah. haven't a clue (laughs) i just think it looks nice um okay love this one infertility so visit sorry visit a shoe a gig uh, which is a stone carving of a female figure displaying her vulva Sorry, trigger warning there. <laughs> Sorry, intense uh, topic warning. Uh, often cited on the walls of old churches or castles. Um, that one's really interesting. I love that. We should Sheila do... Sheila gigs are so interesting. Sheila and the gigs are amazing. Do a whole episode on them alone. Um, but a lot of them are really interesting because they're built into these like Catholic churches and they're a great example of this like very unique Irish Catholicism that mm. existed and was pretty heavily suppressed and hated by yes. the Vatican. Absolutely. Um, I'm surprised they're still there because um, here it says there are about 100 still to be found around Ireland and they're still like you know, preserved in a lot of the old churches and stuff. I'm honestly surprised they last so long because of how, you know, sexually repressed we as a country were for, well, especially I'm going to say in like the 20th century. Yeah, they're really interesting. Um yeah, we could definitely talk more about that. I'd love that. Anyway, we'll, we'll keep that for another day. But that was seen as the cure for the infertility if you kept visiting the Sheen and the Gig, hopefully. Um, oh, this one is just cute because I just think it's something we still do. Uh, insomnia, honey and warm milk before bedtime. Oh. That's cute. And then there's random stuff like kidney stones, eat parsley. I don't know if that's actually true. So, oh, this is every Irish child's favourite thing. If you get a nettle sting, you uh, you rub a dock leaf on the affected area. And this has a rhyme with it. It says, while saying three times, dock and dock and cure me nettle. <laughs> so. There's actually a really wonderful book that you just reminded me of there. Um, I think I might have spoken about it before. Um, Land of Milk and Honey by Breed Mann. Mm. And it's a great book if you want uh, insight into... Irish foodways um, and foodways are basically looking at food um, but not in terms of like just like you know what's an Irish recipe it's also looking at all the different kind of cultural things that we associate with food Um, and Ireland's a really interesting country to look at that with because these kind of concepts of like national dishes and all of these things maybe a lot of Irish people don't feel very strongly Mm. I want to say like when someone says oh what's Ireland's national dish people are kind of like stew I guess (laughs) like I don't know you know um but actually the whole concept of a national dish came about with the concept of the nation which came about in the late 1800s Mm. 1900s in Ireland's case um and it's kind of not a great way to actually look at a country's food heritage because Ireland has a really interesting one like all like all places do um but it's uh it actually has great examples of cures as well if you're interested in it that would be great yeah the ritual because a lot of these things we're mentioning here are just foods literally yeah i also um, think i do think irish has ireland sorry has a really rich food tradition because mm-hmm. literally as you said um with this just being food of um there's so much oh well that food cures this and then yeah. it does this for you i think that's really cool yeah it's a totally different way of kind of looking at food beyond um kind of a contemporary look at it it's, yeah it's, it's not just like food going muddy yeah hungry. or just like you know a lot of the maybe complexities around food nowadays are very much associated with like um what's in what's out what's hot yeah. what's new nordic food movement to you about this oh my gosh um, 
or it's even like don't eat this because it has this effect on your appearance and you know as i said like detox your body with this tea it's going to yeah. rip out your stomach um, lining but you know ireland definitely is in terms of its kind of food culture now is definitely looking more at this kind of idea of um what's natural what's local it's kind of interesting i think a lot of it has to do with i actually would say a lot of it has to do with the folklore scholarship around the topics um but yeah interesting this idea yeah it's just kind of funny you'd almost take you wouldn't even when you're reading a book like that you'd almost forget that those are just foodstuffs <laughs> yeah that, that is a irish person's relationship with food um in that time period has to be connected with their relationship to cures mm. yeah um i only have a few more to speed through before we get on to more kind of you know interesting stuff uh so i'll just kind of i this one actually <laughs> i think this one's so funny uh ringworm um make the sign of the cross on the infection with a gold wedding ring do this for three days bless or sorry bless the ringworm with straw from the christmas crib do you think they were using the wedding ring because it's called ringworm I would laugh. Sorry, that, that is so funny. <laughs> they were like, yeah, obviously, this is the way. Uh, but Where I, are these collected from? Does so I think most of the stuff that comes from this book, Cecily Gilligan went around the country herself um, and interviewed a lot of people, uh, specifically from the country. So I think you know yourself, like a lot of West Corp people, mm -hmm. elderly West Corp people um, and things like that. Um, I think this kind of long list she has in the middle of the book, let me just have... She, yeah, these the, all of the ones that I've read so far are cures that she has directly um, collected. Um, and she said, <laughs> I do not know their medical values and I'm not recommending them, <laughs> um, just in case. So we they're, probably should have started with that as well. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> We're not, this is not medical advice, this is, this is banter, dare I say. Yeah. Um, but this is all that she's collected. I think almost everything in this book is what she's collected. Um, spots have apply your own spit. I don't know what the... Um, mindset was behind that. That was quite interesting. Yeah, um, I suppose. Is a big thing in terms of, in terms of appearance. Um, I suppose it has some relevance because you know enzymes and spit. I wasn't. Yeah, I mean that potentially too, like scientifically or whatever. But it could have an effect. Yeah, I was just thinking in terms of, um, the actual act of spitting on yourself. It's quite a. You see it across loads of different cultures mm. as being kind of like quite a powerful. Um, active ritual yeah sort of kind of lets people know you know you don't really care <laughs> yeah. yeah no um yeah i have one more and it's sty in the eye um using a blessed gold wedding ring make the sign of the cross over the sty for nine days or look through a wedding ring with the affected eye and bless yourself three times or bathe the eye with cold black tea mm, so that's, that's there now if you want to buy the book there are a lot more in there. I mean, that was good. I just looked up there. How long does style last? And it's one to two weeks. So, I mean, doing anything for nine days. I was going to style. say that I said nine days is a bit ridiculous because <laughs> it's going to be gone anyway. Like, of course, you're going to say that worked because it's going to be gone naturally. Well, I suppose it's a good way to. It's a, Yeah, I suppose it's just a good thing to do. I mean, no harm. <laughs> no harm. And we'll probably finish up a bit early, but I have a few little things just to kind of close us out. So, obviously the relevance of faith uh, is very important uh, in a lot of these cures. So even though you are using stuff that is physically in front of you and very kind of quote-unquote normal, let's say, like food, um, a lot of it as well, as you've seen, will be tied into praying um, and pr saying three Hail Marys and uh, one Our Father. Uh, I think there's one in here and it's, uh, an interview Cecily Gilligan did with someone and their cure was migraines or they called it head fever and it's basically you tie a ribbon around someone's head um, from like top of your head to your chin and then one from like around your head and if there was a big difference between the two measurements there's something wrong with you um, and if they were close you're getting better so every like seven days you'd go back and like the distance should be getting closer and every distance uh, you'd have to say I think one Our Father and three Hail Marys or something like that every day um, and also the relevance of numbers so three five seven and nine are very important um, numbers in Ireland culturally like through mythology through lit Celtic literature um, and in folklore as well especially especially three I think everyone knows that three is a big one. seven's a big one it's yeah in the, in the 
Christian sphere. Yeah, same with five. I think five is very important for like praying and stuff like that, again, according to this book. And um, yeah, the other thing I want to close out with is learning cures is really finicky. Um, I, I mentioned that, you know, this uh, gentleman who claimed he had uh, a sort of cure for skin cancer, he would not say what the herbs were. Um, and it was really difficult to get it out of people um they wouldn't even pass it on to their spouse or anything when they died a lot of the time not all the time and um i still think there were some people who were kind of automatically blessed by birth so i'll just actually get it up in front of me now uh but it was um what was it called oh so if it was um the seventh son or the seventh daughter um you were said to be able to cure like loads and loads of uh, diseases, especially a ringworm for some reason. I don't know why it was an extreme emphasis on ringworm. Um, but, oh, I know, I probably know why. Uh, or I assume why. Because an experiment you do to see if the seventh son or daughter was able to cure, you'd put a worm, ringworm, <laughs> uh, you'd put a worm in this person's hand and the worm would die within f- five or seven minutes. Um and even recently Cecily Gilligan said she did interviews with this young woman she was in her 20s and she was the seventh daughter um she says yeah I hold a worm in my hand and it struggles and it dies um because in throughout Irish history um especially again this is a tradition that's prevailed through like um Celtic ages and things um they thought that worms that caused like a lot of diseases they hated worms and um I think even in Welsh, worm it means like devil or is it dragon or like monster, insect or something. Yeah, even there's that kind of crazy ancient Irish monster. It's like the Ulfaish. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, big, the big crazy worm. Yeah, he's the big crazy worm. <laughs> I don't know why. It's basically a dragon. It's like the Irish dragon. Yeah, and that's why now if that's you can... Interesting. Well, first of all, it's interesting that like uh, loads of seven sons and daughters were interviewed and they can, like the worm does die in their hand within a few minutes. And the fact that they thought worms were the source of like disease and evil. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so that was a big thing. And also, if you were born, I can't find it. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, sorry. So if it was a posthumous child. So if, um, it's a tr- traditional belief that if a child is born after their father's death, they will have the cure of foul mouth, which is thrush. Um, so you should, this, their cure was to breathe three times into the person's mouth, uh, the mouth of the sick individual, sorry. And um, they bless themselves or say a prayer. And once that's repeated for three days, consecutive ones, or Mondays or Thursdays. And they were really insistent on Mondays and Thursdays as well. Um, then you'd be cured. But for some reason, that's specifically a posthumous child. What's the other one? Is it a breech birth? If you were born feet first, oh yeah, if you were born feet first, um, you'll have a back cure. So Dr. Blake called a child born this way a footling. He said they were bound to be a wanderer and that they can cure lumbago. I don't know what that is, I'm sorry. Um, by trampling on the patient's back, a, um, a rough and ready form of massage. Um, so stuff like that, if you were born posthumously to your dad, breach birth, same surname marriage, the cure that you'd acquire for the same surname, if you had the same surname as the person you were marrying, you'd uh, have the cure for whooping cough. So I don't know where anyone got this idea from, <laughs> but uh, they're there. <laughs> yeah, they're interesting. Yeah. Um, that's well, a brilliant book anyway. Thanks for it, it, honestly, it is fantastic. Um, it gives a lot of historical background. Um, it gives a lot of, you know, it's a lot of rich information. It's not just kind of like people drank honey sometimes to cure things. That's very yeah, specific. Does it give a lot of its own, like, her, her, oh, sorry, I can't remember. Is it? It's a woman that wrote it, isn't it? Yeah, Cecily. Um, does she give a lot of her own insights? Yeah. Well, I, I think she kind of lets people speak for themselves more so in the interviews, but she also, like, uh, well, does she? No, she doesn't really. It's really people speaking for themselves in the interviews and why she asks fantastic questions of where these came from and why is it this specific thing and how long, who has carried this through a generation or something. But it really, it's fantastic in a sense where it's Irish people speaking on Irish traditions. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's all I've got for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in.
Thank you, Ed. Vito Gaishikle. You see no clock punk three FM. Um expansi banter. It's Misha James. How is this Misha Eva? It's long ago. It's long ago. Thank you. 